Live from Chicago, it's Chris Sells His Soul. I'm your host, Chris Bogue, and this is my show on LinkedIn Live, where I have conversations with cool people who will help you work more creatively. Today, my guest is Will Allred. Will, please say hello and tell the audience where they can find you. Hello. You can find me on LinkedIn for the most part, but you can also shoot me an email anytime. But yeah, I'm one of the co-founders at Lavender, and I'm super psyched to be here today talking about email. Yeah. Will is the email expert. I'm so excited to have him on the show today. And in case you don't know who I am, my name is Chris Bogue. I am your host. I live in Chicago, and you can also follow me on LinkedIn. I'm a content creator. I post content on LinkedIn every day, so feel free to look up Chris Bogue and ring my bell for new updates all the time. And also, you can find me on TikTok at Chris Sells His Soul or on Twitter at Chris Sells Soul. And you can check me out on my website, ChristopherBogue.com. So hello, everybody. Welcome to everyone in the comments. Will and I are going to be answering all your questions about email. Will, why don't we just start before I ask you anything? Could you give the audience a little bit of background on what exactly Lavender is? Yeah, I think the simplest way to put it is we are a writing assistant that rides shotgun as you are crafting emails. Back in the time before COVID, when everybody was back in their office, you ask your coworker, right? Hey, does this come across the right way? Is this my hitting send on an email that like you think's good? And yeah, during COVID, we launched this product. And the idea is pretty simple to help you at every stage of the writing process so that you put your best foot forward. And so we've got over 10,000 users using us every week, writing millions of emails every single week. And so one of the privileges of my job is to talk about all the really interesting findings from that data and help people get better at writing email. Yeah. To put it more succinctly for anyone in the audience who's not on a sales team, sellers are really bad at writing custom emails. And Lavender teaches them to do it really succinctly. And that's why I have you on the show today. I'm actually famously not a cold emailer. It was never my preferred way to do sales. I was always frustrated by deliverability rates, by marketing emails. There's all these things and then when I did it, I would overthink everything. And that's why I take to video really well, because I can perform in front of a camera. But Will, let's just start at the very basics. Like, how do you write an email? I literally don't know. I don't send them. How would you instruct me to write a cold email that's going to get me meetings for my business? Yeah, there's two fundamental questions, actually three fundamental questions that I'd ask you, which is who are you reaching out to that might change how you reach out to them, how you're going to approach that individual and what you're going to approach them about. The second part is, why are you reaching out to them in the first place? <laughs> it's amazing how many emails you'll read. And the answer to that is, oh, I'm reaching out to them so that I can tell them about my product and hopefully book a meeting with them. That's not a good answer. <laughs> yeah. And then the last one is, what do you want? And back to that last point, which is most emails they want to drive a conversation that ends up booking a meeting as opposed to just trying to drive a conversation. It's about conversations, not conversions. Those would be the, those be the three things that I would start with. But as I would frame out that email, and there's several different ways that you could frame out right an email. But first and foremost, I would start with why you're reaching out. If I'm thinking about how I go through my inbox, how your buyer's probably going through their inbox. They are, you know, really spending maybe 10 seconds max with each email that hits them. And with that, you have to recognize that they are categorizing this information. And so if you don't reach out with solid level of individualization for that message, what ends up happening is people just immediately categorize it as spam. Uh, right. You could probably think about this, right? You think about like marketing emails. And so the first thing I would do is basically call out the fact that I've done my homework and what that homework has led me to believe about their business. So a good go-to example that I use all the time is like the fact that someone's hiring. If somebody's hiring, that naturally leads to 
there being some sort of hypothesis about their business, a point of view that I could make about what's typically likely going on within their organization. And that really sets up the entire theme in the conversation that I'm going to start there. The thing that you're not going to hear me talk about a bunch is throwing a bunch of information out about what you do. That's really not where your credibility is going to come from. Credibility is going to come from why you're reaching out, right? And so that's saying to the other person on the other end, hey, I've done my homework. I've seen this. I have a good sense for where you're at. And yeah, taking that observation about their situation, understanding the problems that are likely in place. Then once you've done that, all you really have to do is say, yeah, we've seen that. We've solved it before. You don't have to get into the details of everything that you do and how you solved it. It's pretty simple. Okay. A simple conversation starter of something like, hey, is that even priority right now? Okay, let me ask this then. What is an appropriate amount of emails to expect a seller to send every day? Yeah, it's funny. I actually posted about this on LinkedIn today. So the way that we should really be thinking about this, there's math behind all of this. If you're thinking about the number of responses you're going to get, it's a simple math equation of the number of emails you send multiplied by your reply rate. The problem is because people send so many emails, the reply rate inevitably goes down. And the reply rate's going down because as you increase the quality, you can't put as much thoughtfulness. You only have so much thoughtfulness, right? And so it can either go a bunch of thoughtfulness into one to five notes or like a very little amount of thoughtfulness into a hundred plus notes. And so one of the things that I'm, a big proponent of is working backwards from what actual like revenue numbers do you need to hit as an organization? Look across demos, pricing conversation. What's the fall off rate? And really get back to, okay, how many conversations do I need to start this month? And when you put it that way, when you put it into perspective, how many conversations do I need to start? You can really start to toy around with, okay, if I'm able to get a 35% response rate, which is not unheard of, right? Our team is regularly seeing 40 plus 50% reply rates. Yeah. Most people, by the way, see like one to five. Yeah. No, I do video because I get above 50% reply rates and I was not able to get that with the tap, but I know good emailers can do it. I am interested in you finishing that thought, but I also am interested in the emotional aspect of this though, because I see a lot of sellers who are supposed to have X amount of touch points to bring in that much revenue. And I see most of them fall short of their activity metrics. So I'm curious in your answer, both of what's the amount needed to bring in revenue, but also what's a reasonable amount to expect from a young sales team before they just burn out and start producing bad work. Yeah. So you're saying as you push them to produce more output, you're inevitably going to burn them out. And yeah, that thoughtfulness meter that you were describing, that the drift's yeah. too far over, not only does the quality of the email drop, but it's just, it's really hard to, and this is why everybody talks about time blocking and stuff. It's really hard to channel that level of focus for a sustained period of time. Yeah. Think about individuals. So I know every organization is going to be different. If you had to ballpark it like yourself, my, the amount of videos I send on a given day changes depending on what where my business is and what I need to do. But just for you, how many cold emails do you tend to send out when you're doing outreach? Yeah, not sending out as many as I used to. Josh and Dorothy have come in and they take care of a lot of that. But the thing that I'll note is it doesn't need to take a huge amount of time. I said one to five, right? But if you have a clear-cut process or based off of who I'm reaching out to, Here's where I'm going to go, what I'm looking for, so that I can understand why I should reach out to this person. And sometimes the answer is, well, I don't really have a good reason. I need to put them into a different stack of individuals that I need to go do different types of research for later. But put them through that research process. It shouldn't take you more than five minutes to run your research to create a point of view on their business and say to yourself, okay, I understand where they're at. I understand how I can help them and try to start a conversation around that. So you think about five minutes per five minutes of research, maybe let's just say 
10 minutes per email to give it a good number. Five minutes of writing, like three of that will be content creation, three of it will be editing, which like isn't crazy. A lot of people them they'll say oh, i only spend six minutes per email max and in reality what you're actually seeing is like 16 minutes per email uh, why do you think that is why don't they just automatically do it your way where does that come from the 16 minute email it comes from a lack of training around how to write personalized one-off emails it comes from a lack of discipline around process when people are researching so when the time spent writing gets really high, one of the main reasons is because people are just like meandering on the internet. There's not a clear path that they need to take. And so one of the things I'm a big proponent of is not something you can really automate. Like people might give me flack for that, but I don't think you can truly automate this process because, you know, depending on individual, like that process changes. There's so many different attributes that you can pull in. And this is really like the creative aspect of what the job is. So you're talking about like reps getting burnt out. Reps get burnt out because you don't allow, you force them to be some sort of cog in a machine and they don't have the lens or avenue to really think. It's more of just the use. But if you give them like clear structure, clear process, they can absorb the absorb start to think on that and come up with new clever creative ways to put that information into writing yeah i firmly believe you in order to teach someone to be successful at sales you have to show them how to win if you show them how to win and you make them believe that they can win they can go do it but i find they don't have especially around email they don't have good guidelines and i do video too because they're even worse off with that and this actually brings us to our next segment which is everyone's favorite segment, Gimme Gimme. Will Allred, are you ready for Gimme Gimme? All right, I'm ready. Okay, this is the part of the show where my guest and I like to get into the true spirit of LinkedIn. Everybody says LinkedIn is for creating relationships or building value or sharing authentic stories. But we all know at the end of the day, LinkedIn was created for self-promotion and that's why we're there. We have businesses. Yes. We need to feed ourselves to make money. What we like to do here in the middle of the show is I pop into character and so does my guest. And we ask you, the audience, for exactly what we want. So, Will, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, here we go. Hey, folks. Boss Bogue here. Welcome back to another episode of Gimme Gimme. Will, what do you got for us? Yes, if you would like to be a email wizard like yours truly, you should go to lavender.ai and check out our free trial. Yes, there is a free tier of the product, but as you sign up, you will get onboarded into the full suite of products so you get a good feel for how it all works. That is lavender.ai. If you want to head straight to the Chrome store to get the extension that is install.lavender.ai and put in the promo code lavenderlove and you will see that trial link double. And that is, have fun with that. Enjoy. You will have a product that helps on everything personalization. So I was talking about your personalization process and building that out. We bring everything that you'd have in like 7,000 tabs into one little modal that floats right alongside your inbox. We can also write that personalization for you to be a little head start. We also, as you're writing, provide live real-time feedback. And then as you've been sending emails, you provide all the data within a clear dashboard to show you what's actually driving your response rates and how you can go fix your next email. So, Lavender.ai, maybe your sales reps could actually learn to write an email that I might actually open. Let's be honest here. Will's being nice. I've seen the emails that your SDRs send. They are dog shit, okay? You need Lavender because I don't even read good emails, right? So what chance do your sales reps have? So go visit Lavender, go take advantage, promo code LAVENDERLOVE, and let's talk a little bit about our other sponsor of the show, me. Huh? You saw the hilarious sketch I did with Will Allred earlier. You think those coffee noises pay for themselves? No, comedy takes work, and every single cent that goes into this business 
promotes amazing content like this, and I've got good news. I can actually teach you how to make videos that aren't garbage because your company probably doesn't understand how to do that. You've had two years to understand how to make videos for sales, and literally none of you have done it. Like, no, none of you have figured, it drives me insane. You still haven't figured out how to make more than 10 videos in one month. Folks, it's not that hard. You take out your phone, you go do-do-do-do-do, and you get 70% response rates, okay? It's a little bit more complicated than that, but I've got a course all about it. It's the complete guide to selling on video. We're gonna play the infomercial for it coming up soon. It is fast, it is fun. I, I've been to networking events where you spend more money than that on a hummus plate. It's $1.99 when you use the, the promo code, an amazing value, and you'll actually create your first batch of 25 customized videos for your sales pipeline this month, where it's important, right? You can do that. You can also reach out to me for some consulting. Do you notice how I was able to get 350 people signed up for this event today and they're all sales leaders? That's not magic, folks. I know some things that you don't know and this video thing is a lot easier than you think it is. I'll help you take the thinking out of it. Buy my shit. This is Gimme Gimme. Will, do you have anything else to add? Nah, I've had a ton of fun recording these videos. <laughs> Me too. How about this for fun? Let's just do one more thing. Let's roll the promo tape and then we'll continue on with segment three. Are you ready for the infomercial, Will? I'm ready. All right, Iggy, roll the tape. Hello? Is this Mr. Sherbert? It sure is. What can I help you with, brother? Hello. You were not expecting this call. Do you have 17 oh, seconds to learn about mercifully Sherbert? Is this a cold call? I don't know. F you. Never call this number again. Oh no, another unsuccessful cold call. You probably don't have time to fuck off. I got a quota to hit. Are you spending hours every week cold calling and cold emailing, but not seeing results? There's gotta be a better way. Introducing the complete guide to selling on video. Whether you're new to sales or a President's Club member, this fast and fun course will teach you to efficiently create short, customized videos that get results. The complete guide to sewing on video is not sold in stores. Visit chrisbogue.io and use promo code GIMMYGIMME to take $50 off while supplies last. Don't delay. Get noticed today. All right. So that was Gimme Gimme. Will, thanks a lot. And this is actually a nice little segue into our next topic. Something I feel gets lost on my audience. They see me doing the videos and they assume, oh, just because I show up on video, that's why I get meetings. Or they see you talking about email and they're like, oh, he must just be a really good email writer. That's why he gets meetings and I don't. But it seems like the most important thing in both of what we're doing is context. We're using the email to draw attention to some sort of context that we share with the prospect. And I do that same thing with video, I'd speak in my prospecting videos similarly to the way you do in your lavender coaching, which is I make an observation about them. I observe something that makes me relevant to them and I introduce the opportunity for us to talk. Yeah. You're talking about email, I'm talking about sales videos, but and part of running a company means also doing marketing and we can't just rely on one form of sales. You gotta do different things. So I wanna get Lavender does a lot of really interesting marketing things that I want to get into, not just because I enjoy the marketing, but because I'm interested in how you use it to actually start conversations with prospects. Can you explain to the audience just who is Lavender Joe and why does he exist? <laughs> who is Lavender Joe? So that is the brainchild of a lovely agency up in Toronto, Rob Kamel, who like, I adore. He's awesome. Bill B, my co-founder, and him have done some awesome work together putting together those amazing creative campaigns. Yeah, Lavender. the audience who hasn't seen Lavender Joe, he's he's in a lavender suit and he's a really like genuine guy who like tries <laughs> to make conversation with people, but he only says like really generic stuff from emails that doesn't actually connect with people. And so he's very good-natured. He's I like him because he's a very natural-feeling actor, but he just completely puts off everybody at the bus stop or the park where he's hanging out at because it's not actually a good way to start a conversation. Yeah, it's funny. He actually used to work in tech sales before moving into acting. He, yeah, in a lot of ways, is trying to embody a lot of what we are doing wrong in sales, right? We have this innate desire to try to 
trying to do the right thing, but we're using these dated horrible practices and it's just not landed. Yeah, this is, I think it's very interesting because this is a lot of what I do in my sketch comedy where it's like, I have found, I was, a lot of people weren't taking me seriously when I first started doing this because as you can see, it gets zany, but I found it is just this way to build a bridge with people. And when you can find the humor in something relatable, you're doing that same thing of what you're doing, what you said in the beginning of the email, where you're establishing that you know something about them. You understand them on a level that other people don't understand. So was this like everybody was on board, let's do Lavender Joe? Or was there anybody who's like, wait, what the hell is this? That's hilarious. No, the whole team was just like, that's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, we, you know, we put the scripts together. Like it was a full team effort. We were just like, yeah, when we think about, I'll take a step back. When we think about how we approach marketing, right? One of the things is we're trying to be helpful as helpful as we possibly can. Give away as much informative, useful content as possible. And on the flip side of that, we're trying to do things like that are just off the wall and different. And so um, with that, yeah, we met Rob and this started to flesh out where this is brilliant, this is fun. But you think about like how that's driven our approach to marketing and what we're gonna do. Video is gonna be a huge part of the next year. Just because so much of What's happening on like Erwin Denfeet is just hit like a cycle of the same content recycled over and over again. And video is a very clean way to create content that differentiates. Is it ever okay? I was just gonna be, I got, I guess I gotta be real with my audience here. So I was not a content marketer before I started doing this. I was a sales guy. I was always a sales guy. And I discovered I was good at video prospecting. And I'm like, this is amazing. So then I can get a meeting with anybody I want. And then I started a business and I had to create content for my business. And I did not realize how powerful it was until I started doing it. And it's this thing now where it's, I sent out a round of prospecting videos a couple hours ago and my business can't succeed if I'm not doing the outreach, you got to go close mouths. Don't get fed. You got to go ask for the business. You got to go work for those deals. But just the amount of people I'm able to get in front of. Yeah. By just putting something that's a little bit delightful out there in the newsfeed. Once I started doing that, I realized that I was not spending enough time on that. And I have to spend equal times on both. That makes me curious. Has it ever... Have you drifted a little further away from the email now that you've discovered these forms of potent content marketing? Or do you still believe, do you still like email is driving most of the revenue into the organization? Given our price point of our product, right, it's hard to lean on email as exactly how we're going to approach it. And then as we go up market, yes, email is at the crux of it all. But when you sell a product for $29 a month, it is, especially when like, most people are going to end up using it for free. <laughs> you also have to recognize that, you know, there's some just map behind the business where you have to get some kind of scale and we're not going to approach scale in the same way that other folks try to do email. We're still going to do that one-to-one personal touch. And the content allows us to approach establishing conversations in a different way. The content is not designed to... We're not trying to sell you lavender with our content. We're trying to change your frame of mind. We're trying to show you there's a different, better way. And if you want to have a conversation about that, we're ready. But at the same time, if you're not ready, we'll be there when you are. And yeah, eventually we're going to change this viewpoint that we have on cold outbound, cold email. And for the better. Yeah. Okay. So this is, I'm going to get, I'm going to get a little, again, I always go back to emotions because I've learned as a performer, I've learned as a seller, that's actually more important than data and logic and reason is like, how is this person feeling right now? And my issue with email, and I've got a lot of them because you cold emailers, you guys are relentless, is a deluge every day. And yeah, I sorry. I was just like, I got like some of the righteousness there. I'm like, no, but the point I was getting at is I have become resentful of my inbox. I don't look at my inbox as a source of fun 
I don't look at it as a source of learning. If I'm going to be learning, I'm probably going to be clicking something that's going to take me out of my inbox. But my thing is, I hate the experience so much that I just, and again, it's part of my mistake is like, I just assume everybody's like me. But like having those interactions where I can inter entertain people and educate them and do that mindset shifting, like to me, that all has to take place on like social and everything. Because I feel like in email, I normally have to ask for something. And it seems like even with Lavender, where you're not necessarily asking for a meeting, you're trying to somehow get it offline, right? You're trying to turn this into a non-email conversation of some kind, right? Actually, no, I'm totally comfortable. And I challenge sales reps to get more comfortable having a conversation in the inbox, right? Yeah. Let me back up a little bit because people will be like, yeah, okay, but you got to get them on a call at some point. I'm like, sure. But for the most part, we're digitally native people at this point. And so we look at like the back and forth of an email exchange, probably pretty similar to how you view a text message. And that's a fundamental shift in how we've been writing email for so long. It's interesting, you bring up the point of like being educated and email. You're right. You actually are the norm in that. Uh, what we find in our data is using an informative tone, which you can come across in a couple different ways, reduces your chance of getting a response by about 26%. So out of every four people that replied to you, one of them didn't because of the tone you put. And so with that, if you're like trying to put that into practice, how do I remove that from my writing? There's one simple truth, which is, are you trying to have a conversation with, or are you trying to talk at somebody? And the two places that talking at somebody comes up is when you either try to tell them about something that they already know, you take that like marketer approach in the inbox, right? Or I show up and I say, hey, Chris, did you know that informative tones in the inbox reduce your chance of getting a response? Your eyes look I'd be like, oh, that looks like a good email. I don't feel like opening it, but <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, it's, uh, I start talking about my product and all the things that we do. That first version, by the way, I joke is like the misinterpretation of the challenger sale, where somebody's, as you may know, the market it's like the following problem. Ooh, can we talk some shit about the challenger sale? Because I actually have a lot of problems with the challenger sale. I don't have a problem with being an expert in your field. I have a problem when you're writing a cold message and you approach somebody like you're wrong, I know I'm right, and you take this tone. When in reality, a tentative, unsure tone in your writing in a cold email is actually positively correlated with you getting more responses. You showing up and saying, hey, I might be wrong. Yeah, I think... Again, I'm just like, you're the email guy, so I'm just going to throw all my email complaints at you. Yeah. Part of the reason... Well, there. <laughs> yeah, part of the reason why I'm in love with video and why I'm obsessed with video prospecting is because I can be 100% what I am. And my issue with a lot of email best practices and a lot of best cold call practices is they teach sellers to go in there and pretend like it's something it's not. Where it's, okay, yeah, just start a conversation. But we know like that person is compensated based on how many conversations they can start. So on some level, they are actually asking for that. And then there's a whole nother level, which is more kind of a misrepresentation where it's like little subtle things like the subject line is R-E colon something to make it look like you're it's a response to a conversation that's already in progress. Oh, Chris, I hate that shit. <laughs> yeah, but this is a lot of what it is. And again, there's so much, I think so much of what's happening in the inbox, at least for me, is like, I'll see something come through and I'm like, I don't even want to take the time to determine if this is trustworthy or untrustworthy because there's a high chance it's untrustworthy. And that means I just wasted my time. I was supposed to be doing something else. I looked at this terrible message that I'm not going to respond to. Now I probably triggered something because this person's going to hound me even more because they know I opened it. You opened another Colin. Yeah. So do you ever, do you ever just go for a, yeah, this is what my product does and here's why I want to have a meeting with you. That's my email. Uh, I reverse that, right? Here's why I want to have a meeting with you. Some context on what my product does. You're framing it up as probably more similar to how we're about to write in school, which is like you lay everything out and you get to this like thesis is main point and with email you have to flip that 
where you start with the bottom line, like up top, and then you get into the details. But the problem even with that, when it comes to cold email, is don't have that much time, right? You're talking about how much you hate your inbox going through these units. The average amount of time that someone spends reading an email is 10 seconds. And so they're not actually reading anything you write. There's actually a great New York Times piece on that exact, that's the exact title. You could literally write, your colleagues don't read anything you write by Aaron Oxendorf. I'm going to crush that dude's last name in the wrongest way possible. But if you Google that. I believe it. I believe it. Great article on like email best practices, how to write cold email, how to write just like general email around work to make email not so terrible. And one of the key things is like people don't actually read. So the title, people don't read what you're writing. They're categorizing. They're trying to get to the bottom of their inbox as quickly as possible. They're trying to get through this to-do list. That is what it is. It is a to-do list of external vendors, internal stuff outside of Slack sometimes makes its way in there. And uh, you have to find a way to show really quickly and this is going to be relevant and like this is actually for you so the way that i do that is i look at how people are actually first things first they're not going to see it on their computer that's where you're going to send it that's not where they're going to see it they're going to see it on their phone you're eight times more likely to view an email from your phone before you view it on your desktop which means that completely changes how you should format how you should think through your writing because Last thing you want to see, let's take it back to texting. Last thing you want to see when you look at a long text thread is like a big old wall of text, right? The sign done something wrong. It's like negative association. Yeah, email, we see it all the time. It's awful. It's <laughs> work. It's work for the other person too. Yeah. And I like, I don't know. I don't know if this is something you guys talk about at Lavender too. This is something that always baffled me with sales leaders, especially the ones that are getting 4% open rates or whatever. I'm like, you think because those 96% of people didn't take action or that they didn't open it, that they just didn't see it. They saw it. Something happened. It didn't trigger the we can go sell to this person thing in your system, but something just happened there. That person doesn't like you anymore. It's just the timing. Don't worry about it, Chris. <laughs> They're like, uh, uh, clearly, and that was the thing too. I always, I would get so furious because they'd be like, we have to remove the friction. So we got to add more language about how it's so fast and it won't take them any time at all. And I'm like, guys, that doing something fast is only good if they already want to do it. But that's not the problem. The problem is they're hiding from you because you're really off-putting. <laughs> but I, at the same time, again, this is why I, I, and I keep going back to this, how do you ask for a meeting thing? Because I've been a sales rep and I have to, I've had to set meetings to get paid. That's what all sales reps have to do. And yeah, I can ask a curious question in email. But when it comes to saying what I want from the other person, the action I want them to take, I have always found that's easier on video or on phone because now I have vocal inflection. I have all this context. I have all these other storytelling tools. Whereas I find sometimes giving someone a quote, giving someone a price, asking for something definitively, that's harder in yeah. email to get the tone right. I've just never figured out how to do it. And yeah. part of the reason I'm asking you is because I'm like, shit, I wish I could do that in an email. But I just I rely on these other more yeah. visual uh, kind of forms of communication. Or yeah. auditory too, I guess, is a big part of it. And so keeping it to hold, I can definitely talk about sort of those other pieces because I don't think every aspect of communication is appropriate for email. Like, and I shot a question back to Amy today and Amy Volus, sorry, I'm like thinking inside my own head as I'm talking to y'all. I was shooting back and forth with Amy Volus today. And yeah, I recognize like, I asked a question that like, if she was like, I'm just going to pick up the phone. <laughs> and so she called me, right? It's not that email is the end all be all, but it is the logistics channel for how like deals get done, how business happens. And so we have to understand how to work with that. Now you can use things like video to make minute follow way more pleasant, way more personal. The with cold though, really the ask is pretty simple, right? It's hey, is this a priority right now? Hey, is this something that you'd want to have a deeper conversation about? Would it be helpful if we could solve that for you? Is that even a challenge? Hey, 
let me know if I'm totally off the mark, right? Things like that are way better conversation starters than do you want to have 15 minutes to talk about this? Or what's quickly becoming exhausting to read is, is that, is that interesting? Like these interesting CTAs that everybody's using, it's not like conversational. It's you want to jump on a demo to learn more <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. I guess it's, we should talk about those two calls to action. Cause again, it's like, you can ask all the, are you, are you opposed to finding time to learn more? AKA the same thing is saying, do you want to find 15 minutes? Yeah. My, my one that is slightly different. I send the video and again, it's not usually totally cold. There's some sort of trigger. We've had at least some sort of interaction for, they know who I am. I know who they are. So I make a short video introducing why I'm interested in them. And I end the video by saying, if you'd like to meet with me, respond to this with anything. You could send me anything you want to spend. If you just send me a thumbs up emoji, I can send you some time so you can choose one that's convenient for you. And yeah, if this is not something you're interested in, let me know. I will not send you stuff like this anymore. Yeah. But yeah, I do it. I've always found, and again, this is maybe something that we have in common with the video and with the email. I always say you ask for one thing. You focus on one idea. And I know for me as a sales rep, it was difficult because I would be getting these pre-made templates with multiple links, multiple attachments, all these bullet points, the message was talking about 10 different things. And seems like one theme that we both touch on is whether it's an email or whether it's a video, your goal is one thing. Communicate one idea, get them to respond to one question. Don't do everything at once. Yeah, the, the idea of one idea is something that should permeate the entire email. It should permeate each paragraph. It should also permeate each sentence. So one of the things that I'm a huge vocalist on is simplicity in your writing. And one of the core key reasons why things get complicated is because people violate the one idea rule. Either they're talking about two different things within their email, either they're asking for two different things within their email, which by the way, as soon as you ask more than one question, your reply rate plummets because you're asking for more to do multiple things. And like, yeah, I don't want to do either. When it comes to sentence structure, this is where it gets really interesting because even just like breaking apart like two ideas within the same sentence where you're like comma and removing that actually increases your chance of getting a response like 68%. It's like stupid. Just like doing these simple little things just makes it so much more likely that somebody's going to reply to your message. And the simple truth and simple reason is because if it's simpler it's easier to scan if it's shorter what's likely to happen is they're going to read the entirety of it and they're going to understand what they read (laughs) which like doesn't seem like rocket science when i say it out loud but no it's actually counterintuitive and this is something i want the audience to understand is you're not stupid if this is hard for you And there's a lot, I know, I've known some very talented sales reps who did very well for themselves and did very good with email. They were not able to create tons of custom emails every day because it took them a long time. So it's, I'm always trying to give them just ideas for how they can work better. And let's see what you, I think this is another thing we have in common too, because, and this is a thing I found for prospecting videos and for writing and also for my video content. I tell people start in the middle. People have too much exposition and especially like when they get on video, I always say the audience is not going to Google you. I wish they would Google things more often. I just start talking to them like I've already established that we're both important. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like with the observation too, it's, I don't know. I see this so often with sales reps, like they feel like they have to justify their existence first. And this is where a lot of apologetic language comes in where it's, oh, I'm sure you're so busy. I know everyone's blowing up with this and that. And they're laying this foundation, like they're making the case against themselves. (laughs) They're putting themselves down here as a low ranking person. And I'm like, you don't need to do that. That's a really important thing to call out because I mentioned earlier, unsure or tentative tones, increased response rates. What you're referencing is a weak, like pitiful tone not something that is tentative but i'm saying it's confidently negative about itself 
It's I know I'm not worth your time. Yeah. So I'm going to shoot my shot. Yeah. Very different appreciation weakness versus saying, hey, I've done my own work. Usually when I see that, this might be the case. Right? I'm using these like hedge words. I my best. I'm like, listen, I don't know everything about your business, but I know something. I'm not like some weak, weak individual like crawling and begging for a meeting from you. Ooh, so here's this is a question that just popped into my mind, but I'm curious your thoughts about this. If the audience doesn't know, I was an improviser and a sketch comedian before I was a sales trainer. And I, a lot of the improv exercises I've learned, it's very effective for creating content, very effective as a public speaker. There is an improv exercise. You can try at home if anybody is an improviser at home or they want to play some improv games. It's called card statuses. And what you do is it's a two-person scene. You both pick a random card from a deck of cards and it's, I think the king is the highest and the ace is the lowest. You treat the ace as a one. And if you're a king, you're the highest status character there is. High status characters, they don't move around a lot. They don't talk a lot. Think like Darth Vader. These char- People come to them. People move towards them. They don't apologize a lot. They speak in short, confident statements. And then at the opposite end, you have a very low status character. So low status characters... They apologize constantly. They're unsure of themselves. They move around a lot. They're very nervous. And it would be very interesting doing an improv scene with a six and a seven where the status is close. And I have this whole theory on sales. I would say, figure out which one of you is supposed to be Batman. If one of my prospects wants me to be Batman, that means they want me to come in and save the day because they don't know anything about video. And they want to pay me because they want to be confident that like someone's taking care of them that's going to do everything for them. If they want to be Batman, that means they're probably like a CEO or an executive or a sales leader. If you guys have ever met a VP of sales, they don't need any more confidence. They are already very confident and they want to be Batman. So I come in there as Robin. I'm coming in there as the one who's going to help them fight Gotham together. I'm going to take care of these lower level problems while they go save the city. Or I'm coming in there as Alfred. They want a little bit of professional distance. And I'm just here to explaining why the thing that I'm selling is the new thing that they need to add to their tool belt. But I'm getting the sense that if you come in there with a king, that's too assumptive. That's too, it's too much like their problems. And if, if you come in there as a two or a three, that's also too weak. So where would you say, if you had to assign like a card status to you and a card status to a prospect, Yeah, like the unsure tones make me think you would want, you're coming in as, as a lower status than your prospect. But yeah, where would you rank that in the deck of cards in terms of jazz? It's a tenor jack. Okay. What I'm not saying you're like, oh, I don't know if this is even close to relevant. And maybe by email four, you start six. Where you're like, okay, I reached out a few times. Like, clearly I missed the mark. No worries. I thought this would be relevant because of the following reason. But I'm just going to stop my own. That's not an ace. I'm not like, so sorry. I'm loving you. <laughs> but I'm also like, I'm understanding of the fact that I've sent like four emails. I don't. This is rising nuts when people who work at agencing softwares tell you that you need to send more emails. And they're like, sure, because I need your product. Oh, shit. <laughs> but yeah. Sorry, who's selling you fucking milk here? But real talk. <laughs> Some lovely partners in that space. The The point that I'm getting at is recognize how you would actually approach it if you are the person getting sent emails to. Right? Like sometimes... Yeah, you see the emails and you're like, okay, that's just not the right time. And that's why I like by email for what I'm saying. But when I start the conversation with someone, I approach and I'm saying, hey, I see this. Yeah, I understand that this might be going on. I don't necessarily know that for certain because I'm not living your life. I don't sit in front of your computer all day. If that thing is a problem, it's something that we can help with. Is that, am I off here? That's honestly not a bad email framework if you're going to write it out loud. Yeah, I think this is interesting, too, because part of what I have discovered and we go again, I I always like to get to the root of these things. So like, where do these bad practices come from? But like these call to actions, they put so much. The stakes are always really high. They amp up and sales leaders love turning the stakes up where it's like, ah, this is expiring. Ah, There's only two. We got it. And I have found one of my secrets on video is I always say I make it as easy for them to say no as it is to say yes. Yeah. And I am completely agnostic about the outcome. People obsess over positive response rates 
because of bad email practices. A non-positive response is not a bad thing if you sent a good, thoughtful email. It's just that your timing was off and you should reach out at a later date or that you're just talking to the wrong person. Do you ever, is that like effective? Are you good at getting like up the chain where they're like, oh, this is, I'm the wrong person, but I've sent it to my boss or how is that? How do you do that with email? Because I know how I do that on video, but I'm curious the yeah. email wizard does. I actually learned this from Jed Morrow uh-huh. and it's a really simple structure. So I'm reaching out to you and I'm trying to get a hold of Vague Man or I'm reaching out to you and Vague Man might be the person who would run yeah, Vagman's doing the SDR work. You're trying to get to the boss. Yeah, so I say, hey, Chris, yeah, realize Vagman might be a better person for me to talk to about this. Usually, I work with someone in your position on deciding if this is a priority, but let me know if Vagman would be a better person to talk to, given they'd be in the weeds day to day. Yeah, That's a simple way to structure it. What you're really doing is you're saying like, hey, it's X person well-researched, a good person to talk to. I thought they'd be a good person to talk to because of the following reason. And then you can go reach out to Vague Man and say, hey, Vague Man, did Chris forge my email? <laughs> and we'll say, wow, what a great question. We'll see. I'm working on it. Yeah, that's interesting because so much of the frustrating part of email for me was always like, I didn't know if the right person was getting it. I wasn't sure of the information I, the person I was saying, like, was this actually their job? Is this actually, that's a lot harder. You, the message gets more generic when you're not a hundred percent certain you're yeah. talking to the right person and you've got the right job title. There, there's a couple of pieces to that. One is account strategy. So you think about how you're reaching into an organization. So many folks are just reaching out to a single individual when in reality, Buying, it happens on a committee level today. I don't think anyone's confident enough to just be like, we're buying that. (laughs) Yeah, you wanted to say it, sorry, this is the way. And so like you have that piece of it. And so you have to go above the line of buying power and talk to, say we're talking about like implementing marketing tech. Yeah, I got to talk to you. RevOps, I got to talk to you. No, like marketing, I got to talk to yeah, maybe someone on the sales side because they might be impacted. And so there's multiple people that I'm trying to get a hold of to see their opinion on this idea. Meanwhile, I can go below the line and act almost like a reporter and just say, hey, I was noticing that XYZ was the case. We typically can help organizations doing XYZ because we have our ZYX. And, but I was just, Simply curious before I reached out to Chris, man, are you personalizing at least the first touch point within your database? I think this is very interesting. I didn't know that you go to the lower people in the company too. I didn't yeah. realize you, that's part of the strategy. Because what you can then do is say, oh, it's interesting you'd ask Chris about that because really the person who's deciding how we like write cadences is Joe Schmo, who I've never heard of. And I'm like, oh, Joe Schmo. Interesting. What's what's Joshua's main responsibilities? But I've got like a conversation going with you now. They might not respond, but I've at least got a little piece of information that I can take that and go to somebody else within the work and start to just take for more information. So the best like research comes from inside the four walls of the org you're trying to talk to. Yeah, I guess I just do that in different places. But for me and like how I do use email, again, I'm often throwing a video in there. But I was always, I always want to memorialize it, like driving home the key points. So my job is I have a meeting or I talk to someone, I want to get up the chain. And this is what what I'm coaching like SDRs and stuff too. I get them to ask me for a video sometimes. I'm talking and I'm like, hey, you know what? We're doing things. We're interviewing people. We're talking to some people about this problem. What we actually do is our media team just sends video over about what benefit we think it could be. I just wanted to talk to them to see if that'd be something they'd be, they'd be interested in. Then you talk to them and now it's, you can ask your discovery questions and stuff. And now you can go make your case to them. But I'm always looking, if I'm working that internal game, you can watch your open rates. And if I'm getting 10 plus watches on that video, I'm like, they just forwarded me to the organization. And again, can you keep that message tight? And that's the trick too, with you're going through an org. Everybody's got their input, but can you keep that succinct enough? Yeah. 
for Wait, that one idea. This the succinct piece comes back to people being afraid to just start conversations in the inbox. If you see that forwarding happening and you reached out to somebody in the middle or lower tier of the organization and like twenty eight people have opened it, be like, Hey, I'm super curious. I sent a video over to X person. Did you happen to see it? Let's say. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. They're, they're like, they're like no one watched my video. I'm like, go make sure they watched it then. You call them, you take, you do something. And then it's, again, it's not, you're not dumping a bunch of new information on them. You're just trying yeah. to get them to watch the video. And you're try, just starting that conversation. Yeah. This is fascinating. Unfortunately, we're out of time. But Will, before we go, can you give our audience one more on Lavender? If they want to go check out Lavender, I don't know if we mentioned earlier, if you are a job seeker, if you've lost your job, if you're a bootstrapper like me and you run your own business and you don't have venture capitalists and you don't have a whole organization, there's you can get Lavender for free too. So yeah, why don't you just take them through how they can do that? Yeah. So if you're on the job hunt, one of the best ways to land your next gig is with cold email. I can personally attest to that. I broke into consulting that way. And so with that's one of the things that we're really passionate about is making sure we give the product away to folks that are on the job hunt. Additionally, bootstrappers, we've been in that. That's you too. So yeah, we continue to find reasons that we just want to give our product away. But uh, the key thing there is just you download and just shoot us a note after you install. You can either email us, that's just team at lavender.ai, or you can shoot us a note through our live chat and live support and we'll help you out. Yeah, the idea is pretty simple. It's just you can out free until you land your next gig. Awesome. Lavender AI, definitely check it out for all the great tips from Will. Lavender.ai. Everybody go check it out. It's seriously fantastic. Will is better at writing emails than your sales team is. He just is. Don't be too proud. Don't wait till the end of Q4 to learn how to write an email. And as always, go check out chrisbogue.io. If you would like to purchase my course, if you want to learn how to sell on video, there's still time for customized video. You can even read it like a lavender script that will probably increase the chances that your video is going to get watched and responded to. But you can check me out on LinkedIn. Go look up Chris Bogue and ring my bell. And this has been today's episode. Will Allred, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, hey, thanks again for having me. Appreciate it, Chris.